this good Scottish weather we're having, madam. It's fallen straight down and kind of to the side like... Welcome to the Scotsman Podcast. Coming to you from the basement of the Fortress of Matitude. That is a horrible nickname I just gave my house. I don't know. It was the first thing that came to mind, so I went with it. Uh, I have finally dried out from uh, Saturday night's game. I apologize this is taking me so long, but it's hard to operate very expensive equipment when you're soaking wet for three straight days. Coming off of a hard-fought defensive special teams victory, the Utah State Aggies over the Colorado State Rams 34-24 in the torrential downpour that hung over Logan, Utah for, I dare say, a year and a half. That's what it felt like on Saturday night. You know what? Props to everybody in that stadium who braved the rain for as long as they did. Uh, I've uh, covered many games in that stadium, and it didn't have quite the numbers some games have had, but the noise, the crowd noise that you guys were able to produce, it was noticeable. It, it's, it's some of the loudest times I've heard the stadium. There were a number of false start penalties, which I think can be attributed in part to the crowd noise that you guys were able to do. So um, big shout out to you guys. Uh, to the fans up in uh, up in uh, Logan that night because that was um, as far as weather goes not fun because I I don't feel like it ever stopped raining I know it did for like ten minutes I think it was towards the end of the first quarter early second quarter but after that oh goodness gracious even when I went out to my car after the post game press conference it was still raining so to be able to pull out a win the way that Utah State did uh, in the weather. Uh, as it was, a very impressive win. And against a team where if you uh, watched them last week, they came off a defeating victory to Toledo, who beat BYU this weekend. Um, the track meet that was to shut them down the way they did, very uh, very encouraging um, to watch, especially up close. This was the first game I've gotten to, uh, gotten to cover live so far this season. It feels strange that it was almost October. Um until I was uh, able to see them in person. Uh, usually that is not the case, but with uh, two road games um, early on in the season and uh, just circumstances not letting me go to Stony Brook, although uh, Woody, you're not going to learn much from a Stony Brook game, as I've mentioned uh, a dozen times before on this podcast. I'm glad this was my first game because I was able to, leading up to this game... Um, not necessarily form opinions, but have some hypotheses about certain positions, certain aspects of the team, and being able to see them from field level, even though it was through the lens of a camera, um, was very enlightening, I think. There are some things, like the offensive line, seeing them up close, even with the injuries they've had the last two weeks, um, and kind of the jumble that's gone on a little bit, and, you know, the the youth they have there... uh, they're still playing exceptionally well, and it's even more impressive down at field level. Um, it caught my attention really quick. Um, Jordan was pressured a few times. Uh, he was sacked once, um, but it, for the most part had a pretty clean park pocket. And the holes and the creases they were able to create for Gerald Bright and his performance that night. Uh, very attention-catching, as I've said. You know, it solidified to me from what I've seen so far, that uh, this this line is for real. 
and uh, the coaches made a good decision. Um, I think I mentioned in one of the earlier podcasts when Gary Anderson was in studio with us right before the season started that uh, they decided to, instead of chasing offensive linemen in the JUCO ranks, they liked what they had, even though they knew they had some youth and that they were going to go through some growing pains, that they were going to develop the young offensive linemen they have. And through four games, uh, I'd say they made the right decision. We're really going to find out everything we can about this offensive line um, after Saturday in LSU. It's another game, uh, speaking of which, that I'm going to be at. Uh, Jeremiah Jensen and myself, the one and only Jeremiah Jensen, are flying down to Baton, well, flying into New Orleans and driving to Baton Rouge on Friday night. And we will be going to that game Saturday morning. We will uh, we'll have all the highlights and uh, post-game reaction for you. And uh, he's even agreed to uh, come on the Scotsman podcast after the game. So you will have that to look forward to on Saturday. Normally, I would like to have these podcasts up right after the game, but it was just strange circumstances, or not even strange circumstances, but just the circumstances of Saturday night's game didn't allow me to get the game up, and then when we have Sports Beat Sunday, in which we have to get ready, uh, and then Jazz Media Day on Monday, there just wasn't a time frame in which I could get this podcast up as quick as I want to, so I appreciate your patience, and I apologize to... The dozens of you who have been downloading. Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to gloat and say that I have hundreds or thousands or anything like that. I know that there are a few dozen, and I'm, you know what, I'm very, I'm very thankful for all of your downloads. And I appreciate all the reviews that you've given me and all the ratings. It's helped out tremendously. Uh, and continue to uh, download the Scotsman Podcast and continue to visit uh, kslsports.com because that keeps us all employed and that keeps us and keeps allowing us to bring you uh, Utah State coverage for the foreseeable future. So this podcast will be all about the Colorado State game, even though most of you have moved on. I just wanted to do kind of, um, uh, I just had a few things to say about it. Plus, you know, I had to hand out my um, my weekly uh, movie quote awards. But I was thinking about it. I don't think that they're technically awards. I think it's more movie quote performance correlation. I, I It's not a catchy name, but... Uh, they, they, they're just more, uh, yeah, they're not really awards. They just kind of go along with, with certain performances or certain plays. So I don't know. I still have to think of a better name for this because I don't think it's very good. Uh, so yeah. Um, but, uh, since it is October, it crossed over to October this week, my favorite month of the year, not only because it's fall, not only because you have, uh, football going on, uh, college, NFL, high school, one of my favorites. Uh, you have the Jazz starting. Uh, you have playoff baseball. Oh, it's just in full effect last night, if any of you watched the, the Nationals-Brewers game. I'm a Red Sox fan, so I have no horse in this race this postseason, which is actually kind of nice. I mean, it sucks. I mean, I'm not going to play it off like, oh, my gosh. I mean, we're just so successful every season. It's just nice to have a break. No, no, it sucks. But the thing is, they've sucked for most of the year. So I kind of knew this was coming, so I've already mentally prepared myself for them to not be in the playoffs. Uh, getting to watch Houston and uh, Atlanta. Atlanta's a fun team. Um, I'm excited to see what they're, they're going to do in this postseason. But that's enough about baseball. Anyway, getting to my point, Halloween is this month. Halloween is also my birthday. Uh, so, you know, if any of you want to wish me a happy birthday on Twitter on October 31st, I'd be okay with that because I love attention. Uh 
So, and I also love the movies that come with Halloween. Not so much the scary movies, but more so the comedies that come with Halloween. And so I thought I would start off this month, and it'll probably be every recap I do with these movie quotes that uh, I would, uh, I'll, I'm going to use a uh, Halloween comedy to do it. Some of my favorites, ones that I watch every year during this month. And I could think of no better one to start off this fantastic month than an all-time classic from the 1980s, Ghostbusters. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes! Easily the most godlike performance in that entire game, Gerald Bright. 36 carries, 179 yards, Five yards a carry, no run over 15 yards. You've heard all of these numbers a dozen times already this week, but that you need to hear them a baker's dozen of times. That's it. It was the kind of performance from Bright where you weren't sure that he had that in him. He he's mostly been a change of pace back. He's been able to run uh, in between the tackles on occasion but you've never seen him carry a workload like this before. When Jalen Jalen Warren went out with injury in the second quarter, uh, they went straight to a one-back system. They mixed in Riley Burt a little bit here and there, but that was mostly just for a spell. It wasn't the series-to-series. Series. They really put the ball in Gerald Bright's hands. And, you know, no, as he said in the, uh, the post-game press conference, you know, there's no explosive plays. That's what he wants. You know, he has his own personal goals, but... You know, the win is what's most important, and that might have been uh, his best game as an Aggie. There's the, I think I feel like there's a, there was a couple of times, uh, a couple of players where you could say that about, but in this particular game, just considering the conditions, but, you know, with the rain coming down, he, he bounces back from an early fumble in the game. I believe it was on the first drive, if I'm remembering correctly. And the coaches kept putting him out there, and... He did not disappoint. Those were tough, powerful runs. He broke a lot of tackles. He carried a lot of defensive players. I, I came away seeing Gerald Bright in a different light than I had coming into this season. And it's nice to know that, including Jalen Warren, you know, whatever's you know plaguing him right now, that we do have someone like Bright, who is so versatile, who can who can make all these explosive plays like he normally does, make the catches out of the backfield and, you know, break one for 80 yards. But if you need to pick up a third and short or a fourth and short with the game on the line, he is someone you can give the ball to. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Third quarter, tie game, Utah State's driving. It's third and 10 on the Colorado State 35. And they run a draw play to Riley Burt for four yards and settle for a Dominic Everly. Dominic, sorry, Dominic, not Dominique. He doesn't throw down windmill jams. Dominic Everly field goal from 48 yards. And, you know, all props to, Dom, to, to Everly because that, considering how hard the rain was coming down at that point, that was a big-time field goal in a big-time situation. But my problem is, is, you know what, I'm not a head coach, and so I don't, and there's probably a reason I'm not a head coach, but sometimes I just don't understand these things. It happened in Wake Forest. It's happened in San Diego State, and now it's happened in Colorado State. A crucial third down 
Second half of the game, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't late in the fourth quarter like the other two, but it's still where points were at a premium in this game. It's third down, and you're not putting the ball in Jordan Love's hands. I'm just having a problem. Maybe there's some science to this that I don't get. Maybe there's some numbers that that they've seen, that they're looking at. Maybe they just have a better feel for how those players are playing at the time. But, man, it's just, I mean, it's, 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 that's a pattern now. I mean, it's not even a coincidence. It's just a pattern. Three times is a pattern, and I don't like that this is a pattern. You got to give the ball to Jordan Love in those, in those situations. He had, he'd been playing good. Yeah, he had the pick six, and he had the interception on the second play of the half, but if it's still third and ten, I want the ball in his hands. There's still no one on the team, especially Riley Burt, who hasn't seen the field that much this season. I don't know why you're settling for a field goal like that in that type of weather, because that could have went very badly. I blame myself. So do I. And speaking of Jordan Love, the pick six. Let's not sugarcoat it. That was just a bad throw. When it left his hand, from my angle, it looked like a duck. That's always been my biggest indicator about uh, success at the college and the pro level is the ability to throw an out route or anything towards the sideline. And when that left his hands, that had a lot, that had bad news written all over it. That's the second throw this season, won the first interception against Wake Forest, where I've just scratched my head. And I, I just, I'm not seeing what Jordan is seeing, so to speak. It's something that needs to be fixed. I don't know if it's something that is schematic, or if it's just, it was a tight game, it's Jordan trying to make a play where the passing game was okay up to that point, but he was trying to spark something different. They can't have those kind of throws. He can't have those kind of throws this Saturday, even though LSU only has two interceptions this season. That's something we'll get into. I'm going to try to release a LSU preview, hopefully tomorrow or Friday before we leave. It'll just take kind of a uh, tertiary look at the matchups involved, but he can't he can't be having those throws in Death Valley. He can't be having those throws against Boise State. He can't he can't be having those throws against Wyoming. Just period. He can't have those throws, and it's something that needs to be fixed. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria happened right in front of me. David Woodward imposing his will on the Rams, ripping the ball out and scoring the game-clinching touchdown. There's so few things I can say about David Woodward that I haven't said already. You know, Gary Anderson said in the post-game press conference, if you're going to have any success or have a special season, you have to have special plays like this, and you have to have special players who make them. And they've got one of the most special players in the Mountain West and and possibly one of the more special players in the country. Uh, I think any team would be happy to have a, a player like David Woodward. And when his team needs it, he always seems to to find a way to change the game, to change momentum. Um, he jokingly said that he was looking for flags because much like the, the Wake Forest game, I thought maybe because it was such bad weather that I didn't hear the whistle blow and because it, it's, it's hard to tell from my vantage point um, how much uh, the pile was moving 
uh, forward, so to speak. So I thought for sure the whistle had been been blown or or something. And so when that touchdown went up, it was a uh, it's a relief for me just because it's a great shot and it's a great highlight and it makes for great TV and also for the Aggies because. You know, that's, I mean, that's just a nail in the coffin. It's its hard to come back from plays like that because those just tear the soul out of your opponent and stomp it into the ground, you know, especially when nothing has been working up to that point, when the defense has playing, been playing as well as it has. That's just thats just a killer. It, it Mentally, that, that it, those are hard plays to come back from. It's, it's hard to be resilient when that kind of stuff happens. And David Woodward has the talent, has the potential to make plays like that in every game. No, we're exterminators. Somebody saw a cockroach up on 12. That's got to be some cockroach. Bite your head off, man. Two other players on defense who I thought had an absolutely spectacular yet underrated night. Cam Haney, Troy Leffridge, they were all over the place. Let's talk about them uh, individually just for a second. Cam He's in the situation where he plays across from DJ Williams, and when you've got someone as good as DJ Williams, you're going to be across from you. You're going to be targeted a lot, and Cam, especially in this game, has I thought just in four games made a lot of progress as a player. He's looked. I've seen I've seen development. I guess I've seen improvement. I mean, he's been good since he was a freshman. He saw he saw time as a freshman. He's always had a lot of talent, and and he's always played well. But I think he's he's stepping up to a new level this season. Uh, what I like about Cam, not afraid to get in there and make a tackle, and he doesn't give up on plays. Uh, the pass that he gave up, where he forced the fumble. Uh, you know, sometimes it's <laughs> uh, when they make the catch. You know, you just try to tackle him, but. He had the presence of mind. Okay, I gave up the catch. What am I going to do? I'm going to strip the ball out. And then Dalton Baker comes down and makes the fumble recovery. Another nice game. Uh, a nice individual performance, uh, Dalton Baker, uh, in this game. But, yeah, Cam. And then there was a, there was a pass breakup in the end zone, too, watching, uh, where he knew that he didn't have position to play the ball. So I don't know if, if, if you've watched Sportsbeat Sunday the last few weeks. Uh, Stevenson Sylvester and David Nixon, when they've been breaking down the Utes and the Cougars, they've they've talked a couple of times about defensive backs and boxing away the ball. So instead of so when you know you don't have a play on the ball, you're playing the receiver's hands, and when the ball hits their hands, you you try to knock the ball loose. You're playing their hands, and he did that. He did that exact thing. Exact thing we were talking about. Knocked the ball loose from the end zone. Stop touch. They eventually scored on the play, but it, it scored on the drive. But it was still a fantastic play, and it's nice to see him um, making plays like that. And Troy Leffridge, eleven tackles. He had a sack. He had three tackles for loss. I, if you didn't know he was a safety, you would have assumed he was a linebacker. The way he was living in Colorado State's backfield, he was in on almost every tackle. He, he was all over the place. And definitely his best performance as an Aggie. Uh, you know, he's only had four games as an Aggie, <laughs> but Deuce was definitely the best one. And this that's the kind of performance you want to see out of your uh, out of your safety. It's, it's, it's nice to have a pair. You know, we knew Shaq Bond was good. We knew the kind of playmaking that Shaq Bond brings. But knowing that this 
this is the other safety spot you're getting from Troy Leffridge. Uh, very encouraging as the season goes on. We came, we saw, we kicked it. Let's just take a moment and point out the entire defense. We've talked about Woodward, we've talked about Haney, we've talked about Leffridge, Baker to some extent. The team defense that occurred on Saturday night was absolutely spectacular. The defensive line continues to find new ways to impress me and I'm sure many of you out there. Another game with sub three yards per carry. 35 rush attempts by Colorado State. 2.3 yards per carry. Only 79 yards total. Kinsey alone had 246 rushing yards and two touchdowns last week against Toledo. O'Brien comes in. He had 405 yards against Toledo. Barely does anything against Utah State. The defense as a whole are playing exceptionally well. The multiple fronts that they're playing, I mean, you say multiple, but man, they've played that four-man front a lot. And that's where the talent is, and that's what's working. The quarterback hurries. Tipanalia, he had four. He continues to adjust to his role as defensive end instead of outside linebacker. You could see a bit of a learning curve, especially against Wake Forest which I don't know if it was more of a learning curve or it was more just kind of the offense that, that uh, Wake was running. But he seems to be uh, adapting to the role of defensive end instead of outside linebacker, which, you know, there, there are subtle differences in it, but enough to that he hasn't looked as dominant as he did last year. He's starting he's starting to look more like the Tipa Naliai of last year. Uh, yeah, just... I mean, 217-yard passing. Most of those coming on two plays in the first half. They completely shut them down in the uh, in the second half. Whatever adjustments they made were, were absolutely spectacular. Holding them to 4-16 on third down efficiency and 0-2 on fourth downs. Uh, just a big shout-out to the defense. The way they're playing, and especially to force the turnovers they did with the offense giving the ball over three times like they did especially in key situations when, it, uh, you know, the Woodward, um, there was a couple where Colorado State were driving, forced to fumble. You know, like I mentioned before, the Cam Haney, after giving up a big, a big catch, strips the ball away. Just key moments in which this defense was able to create turnovers. Very impressive performance. Uh, I'm very, very interested to see um, what they're going to do against an offense like LSU. Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. All right, that's bad. Okay. All right, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. Don't kick the ball to Savon Scarver. It wouldn't be a Utah State season without a kick return from Savon Scarver. Continues to be electric with the ball. And, you know, it was a great adjustment by Colorado State. <laughs> Once he did that, Early on, they said, okay, we're not going to kick you the ball anymore. We're just going to pooch that straight up, and which was smart because even if he's 108 yards deep in the end zone, he has the ability, he has the talent to take it to the house. Ah, just so much speed and a little juke move. And the blocking, the blocking scheme on that return was absolutely fantastic. Uh, special teams between that and the field goal by Everly, and the conditions that he kicked it in, uh, a big part. I mean, that's 10 points. That's the game. That is the game right there. And then you throw on, if you include defense, defense and special teams, that's 17 points. They don't win this game without defense and special teams. You know, this this Utah State team coming into the season, 
uh, I, I know I'm guilty of it. We, we, we pump up the offense so much just because of Jordan Love, and rightfully so because they're electric, but so many times the last couple of seasons, whether it was last year um, with their spectacular run or so far this year, it's the defense. You know, last year they were they were they were they were spectacular getting turnovers, and this year they continue to be important. Not so much in the way that they were last year. This defense, to me, is more stout up front and better at stopping the run and forcing teams into bad situations, where more defenses in the past have been forcing turnovers. So I, I feel like there's a little difference between these two defenses. To get back, this is about Savon Scarver. Get the ball in his hands. I, I don't know how many more times we're going to see teams kick to him. You know, I'm sure as a fan base, you want to see teams be dumb enough to kick to him. If teams learn anything by watching this tape, it's just don't kick the ball to Savon Scarver because he's going to do that to you more often than not. And may I see this storage facility? No. And why not, Mr. Vankerman? Because you did not use the magic word. What is the magic word, Mr. Vankerman? Please. If I say please, will you not fumble the ball anymore? That was a hard thing to watch, whether it was when they were driving and it was a bad snap that Jordan couldn't get a hold of, and you turn the ball over, or the Gerald Bright one early on. Just, just hold on to the ball just a little bit better. I'm going to say please. I'm going to, I'm going to keep saying please um, because uh, we got away with it there. It's, 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 so, it's so rare that you can turn the ball over that many times and still come out on top. I mean, it helps when the, your defense is forcing some turnovers too, but you don't want to take that chance. So uh, I'm going to say please fix the ball security moving forward. Oh, nice shooting, Tex. It's a little critical of him early on. But, of course, I'm going to give Love some love. He had a, a handful of passes, again, that are just elite. The two touchdown throws to uh, Tompkins and to Rep. Rep, again, another great game by him. Continues to look more like a go-to target, he and Mariner, uh, for for Jordan Love moving forward. Uh, just great throws. Put him in places where only they could get them. He had a couple other throws that were either dropped or or the defense made a spectacular play. For example, the throw to save on Scarver in the end zone that was broken up at the very last second. Still a spectacular throw. He gave him a chance to get it. He could have... There, there, there was, at least from my vantage point and from what I saw, there was a chance. It was just a great play by the defender. And there's a throw late in the game, I believe it was to Jordan Nathan, that was right there. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe the weather had some uh, – maybe it was the weather. I'm not sure. I don't want to blame anything. But Jordan Love had a very good performance. It wasn't his greatest, but it was good enough to win. I mean, I, one of the things that I liked a lot about it was he kept the ball in the read option. I've lamented a handful of times on this podcast, especially, that he never give, he never keeps the ball on the read option. He, st- he did it 11 times. It wasn't a product of Jalen Warren going out because he was doing it early in the game. I think it was the very first play of the game. He kept the ball. So I don't know if you're listening to this po- podcast or not, Jordan Love, but if you are, thank you because that's what I want to see. So that'll wrap it up for my movie quote recap of the game. I think I'm going to go with recap. It dawned on me while I was reading some of these lines. 
um, in the uh, process of recording this podcast. Maybe I should just call it the uh, the movie quote recap. Maybe that's a little better because they're not awards. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. Anyway, so I am hoping to have another podcast up either tomorrow or Friday where we'll preview some of the matchups that we'll have and maybe we'll hear a little bit from Utah State from their press conference. There were some good quotes this week from uh, Gary Anderson, Cam Haney, and Caleb Rep especially. And um, so that will wrap up this episode of The Scotsman. And thank you again for downloading the podcast where the sagebrush grows. Thank you.